Life Audio. You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I have a special guest. He's also a friend. His name is Rusty George, and he is the lead pastor of Real Life Church Ministries in Valencia, California. He's written several books, including Better Together and Justice, Mercy, Humility. Today we're going to be talking about his new book, After Amen, which is a book on prayer. And the subtitle is What to Do When You're Waiting on God. So I just read this book. It's great. And uh, I highly recommend it. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Welcome, Rusty George. It is an honor to be here, Beckett. Thank you for having me on. It's an honor to have you on. Um, now, we're going to talk about your book, After Amen, which is amazing. You guys have to get this book. But before we get into that, I'm always curious about people's, how they came to faith in Christ. So do you mind just telling us how that happened? I mean, I know you're a pastor and it's been probably a long time, but how did you come to faith in Christ? You know, my story um, is is not very fancy or flashy. Uh, I grew up in the church. Um but as people that grow up in the church, they come to figure out there's a time when Jesus is your savior. Then there's a time you make him your Lord. And I think I, I became a, a Christian. I was baptized at a very young age. Um, my parents were not uh, Christians when I was born. And after I was born, they were both on their second marriage. This was their first kid. And they thought, we're in over our skis here. Let's go to church. I guess I was that bad of a baby. <laughs> so we got to get help. So <laughs> they start going to this church. And so they're growing up in the faith. And I really credit them for this. They didn't know any better. So they did exactly what everybody else told them to do, which was every time the doors are open, have your kids in church. And they did. So we were there for Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Sunday night youth group, Wednesday night church. I mean, it's just all the time. Wow. And it wasn't like it was next door. It was probably a 20-minute drive from my parents every time. But they just decided we're going to make that a priority. And I'm so glad they did. Because, I, you know, some of my closest friends came from that era. I did not go to a Christian high school. Um, but I had great Christian friends as a result of the youth program I was in. The youth pastor became a mentor of mine. And so I think Jesus was my savior. 
you know, wash away my sins kind of thing. But then when I went away to Bible college to become a pastor, I think it's when he became my Lord, because I began to realize, oh, wait a second. This actually happened. <laughs> this is a uh, <laughs> there's facts behind this. This is no longer just Sunday school stories. And I think it became really real to me. And then that became the lordship process. And and then there's the whole other kind of third act of my salvation experience, uh, probably about 10 years after that, when I realized I had turned into a, a Pharisee mm. and I was very judgmental of everybody, us versus them. And it really took some great people in my life to convict me of the fact that's not the heart of Jesus. I did a lot of reading of Brennan Manning. Uh, which really just changed my perspective perspective of God. Um, and that, that was a huge step for me. So it's kind of been this, this progression rather than, I, I'm more like an Emmaus Road kind of thing, walking with Jesus for a while till you realize, rather yeah. than Damascus Road, one way you go the other. <laughs> those, are, those are good examples of two, two, two different roads. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I'm more of the Damascus Road. But yeah, well, I'm so glad you're in the kingdom of God. Praise God. So let's get let's get to this. Now, why did you write a book on prayer? What what prompted you to write this after Amen? Yeah, um, I, Beckett, I think it came from I have as a pastor after I get done teaching, I'll go out and stand in the lobby and just talk to people, pray with people, whatever they need. And I've had so many conversations of people that come up to me and say, hey, I got this going on in my life. Will you pray for me? And I said, sure. And I always say, hey, you know, you can pray about this, too, because there's this weird thing where people think pastors are closer to God. And we've got kind of the, you know, the <laughs> you hotline, have God's you know? ear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I just said, listen, you can pray as well. And they would look at me and say, I have and it didn't work. And I thought, man, I I understand what they mean, because I've prayed prayers that I thought God would be all for. And for some reason, he said, no, or not yet. And I've wondered if I'm doing it wrong. And I think for most people, they have just enough knowledge of what to pray, meaning they know the Lord's Prayer, or they've heard someone pray for dinner, or they just cry out to God for help. But not a lot of us know what to do after we pray, after we hang up the phone. You know, is yeah. is God waiting on me to do something else? Um, is it possible for me to be doing it wrong? Is there a reason God is not answering my prayer? So I thought, well, there's got to be a book out there on that. So I went to Amazon, you know, and <laughs> there's nothing. There's There's tons of stuff on how to pray and what to say when you pray and what to do before you pray. In fact, Luke Hato's got a great book called Before Amen, but nothing on after Amen. So I talked to our mutual friend, Don Gates, and said, man, I, I think I need to write on this. And, you know, Don's always, you need to write it. Absolutely. So <laughs> yes. uh, who knows if it'll sell, but you need to write it. So I said, okay. So I began the research and I decided, let's look at every time somebody came up to Jesus and asked him for something. And what's fascinating, Beckett, is very few times does Jesus say, you got it. Oftentimes there's work to be done. Okay, you need to go um, show yourself to the priest and the healing happens on the way. Uh, you need to fill these jars up with water and we'll see what happens. Uh, you need to go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. You know, these different things he tells people to do. And I thought, man, there seems to be seven characteristics that Jesus gives people to do after they pray. 
And they're the, se- the same seven things for us to do today. So put it all together in this book and our church went through it. And it's become really helpful for me personally to know kind of where God is in my silence and his silence and what we all need to do after we say amen. Yeah. And so talk about some of those characteristics of, of what to do. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think one of the beginning chapters is, you know, we have to um, align with the why. And here's what I mean by this is uh, God has a bigger story and agenda than just ours. And it's a little bit like when my kids come to me and let's say I'm uh, let's say I'm cleaning the kitchen and doing dishes and they come to me and say, uh, Dad, will you fix my bike? Um, okay. But let me finish this up first. Now, if they came to me and said, Dad, will you help me wash out this pan? Okay, because I'm already doing that. Right. So let's let's do that together. And I think there's some things we ask of God that we want him to do right away. And he's like, it's not a no, it's just a not yet, because you don't know the chess pieces I'm moving around right now to make a certain thing happen to advance my kingdom in the world. So kind of aligning with his why. Um Beginning with uh, the how is another chapter where we talk about how God uh, answers us. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no, because I love you too much. Uh, Sometimes he says not yet. Um, Sometimes he says yes. And here's more. Those are my favorite kind. Um, So, you know, he he just he gives us what he because he's a loving father. And that's the, the beautiful thing of what Jesus did for us was besides the dying on the cross thing, which was epic, of course. He taught us how to talk to to God as father. And when you think about it from those terms, now it's a loving father doing what's best for his kids rather than just a boss that we're crossing our fingers, hoping to get a raise. Yeah. And you, you, you say, you talk about yielding to the how, what do you, what do you mean by that? How do you yield to the how? Yeah. And I, I, that, that comes back to a lot of times when people say, um, Hey, uh, I, I prayed and nothing happened. God must not have heard me. Well, just because he didn't say yes doesn't mean he didn't answer. There's different ways that God does answer. And some of those things I just mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes it's a no and it's a not yet and those kind of things. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of times we have to understand that how God is going to, to pull these things off in our life doesn't often look like the way we thought it would. For instance, God may um, you might be praying for, uh, you know, the classic one is God, give me patience. Uh, don't ever pray that because <laughs> then God's going to give you things to be patient about, you know, or God give me, um, you know, uh, endurance. Well, now you're going to have to run a marathon. You know, there's just things that, that God does that are different than how we think he should answer that are sometimes the answer to our prayer in a better way than we could have ever asked or imagined. We'll be right back after this short break. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe. The classic one I love to share is, you know, we prayed uh, when we were at a church meeting in a movie theater, we couldn't find a piece of land. You live out here in California, you know, it's, it's tough to find land. It's tough to afford land. And so 
we had been looking and looking and looking. And every time we find a piece of property, we'd go to the city, we'd ask them and they'd say, nope, not zoned for a church, not zoned for a church. Well, this went on for a couple of years. And finally, we found a building that we thought would be perfect for us. And we knew it was a little small. It was an old insurance building, but we thought we can make it work. We just got to find a space, get out of the movie theater. So I go to the city and they say, yeah, that's not zoned for a church. So in a moment of frustration, I just said, if not there, then where? He said, well, it's funny you ask. We just had a piece of property rezoned that I think we could put a church on. Well, back it turned out it was the very first piece of property we ever looked at. Well, here's the thing. It, it was like two years gap between when we first looked at it and asked and they said no. And then when God finally said yes through the city, if we'd have gotten it then, we would have never had the funds or the people or the, the personnel to pull that off. But God grew us up to the point where we could get the yes. So I think yeah. in some cases, you know, it really is a not yet. Um, but I'm getting you ready to be prepared for that miracle. Yeah. And I've, I've been through that too, where I've prayed things, e even my, my first book, I, I was like, why is this not happening right away? And, and God's just like, chill out. <laughs> You're going to go to seminary first and, and then, I'm, and then it's going to work out. And so that was a, a very good example in my life of just God saying, no, it's not, I'm not. I'm not going to answer that prayer right now, but I'm going to later. So yeah, we have to, we have to be patient sometimes when we pray. Um, and you talk about in the book, you talk about doing, do the next right thing in terms mm -hmm. of what, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a great quote from Olaf from frozen Two. You know, I think he speaks to us in great ways. Um, but I almost got you to spit take right then. That would have been awesome. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think for a lot of us, we, we want God to do the, the, the grand thing. And sometimes the most, uh, the best thing we can do is go to work and do a good job. You know, mm -hmm. we want the new career. We want the flashy new, uh, call from God in our life. But sometimes the best thing we can do is serve our, our spouse and love our kids yeah. until the next big thing comes around. Uh, my, my buddy Mark uh, Batterson likes to say it this way. Sometimes God waits to do the super until we do the natural. <laughs> and then together it becomes the supernatural. Isn't that a great line? I wish I, I'd yeah. come up with that. And I think for a lot of us, it's just, hey, I hear what you're asking for, and you want that, and it'll be great, and one day it will come, but right now, I need you to go to work and work as if you're working for me. Right now, I need to do your, you, you to do your very best in school while you wait to get into that college of your dreams. Um, it really shows a lot about our character and our integrity and those kind of things when we just do the mundane, simple things really well while we wait for the big, flashy things to come around. I mean, that's yeah. exactly the like the example you said about your first book. I mean, you, we all hear the success stories of, oh, they wrote one book and it turned into chicken soup for the soul, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and it's this massive success. And for you and I, it wasn't that at all. It was kind of the slow, you know, pr plodding along kind of thing. But God's using it in just different ways than what we, we typically see on social media. Yeah, exactly. And And then you talk about, in the book, you talk about um, share the last 10%. What, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? 
Yeah, that's a that's kind of a, a cultural values thing that I stole from a church that said, hey, all of us share about 90 percent of the truth with each other, <laughs> you know, and, and that, I think that's generous. But at some point, you need to look at that person and go, I need to say the last 10 percent that I'm holding back. Or you got to look at somebody and say, I need you to tell me the last 10 percent. What do I not know? Does the emperor not have any clothes on? Those kind of things. So what we see in scripture is, you know, there's this great, great prayer experience. I, I love uh, I love this story where a guy comes up to Jesus and he says, will you heal my son? And Jesus says, all things are possible for those who believe. And the guy looks at Jesus and says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus is so floored by this guy's faith and honesty. He heals this guy's son and declares, I've not seen this kind of faith from anybody around here. And I think there's something about being completely honest in our prayers. That last 10% of God, I'm asking you this, but I'm going to be honest. I don't think you're going to answer me. I, I don't even know if you're there. I'm really nervous what's going to happen next. I'm afraid if I ask this, you're going to send me to, you know, Bangladesh. Um, so, I, you know, being really honest allows you to get out what it is your greatest fear is, but it also allows God to work in your life. I like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, if you can't be honest with God, who can you be honest with? That's the thing. Well, that's a great, great point. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, and you you talk about. Just give us a couple examples of, or a couple of the, the reasons, but you talk about seven reasons why God doesn't answer our prayers. Yeah, it is interesting. There are some moments you read about in scripture where it actually says, unless you take care of these things, he's not going to answer your prayers. It's like we've, we've short-circuited the, the signal. That's uh, drop the call to use cell yeah. phone language. And, and there are things like unconfessed sin. You know, if we've got this, you know, thing that we're holding on to, and I don't mean a, a, a something we struggle with, I'm talking about something that we are covering up and not confessing to God and not admitting it's wrong, or we're saying that it's actually right when it's not, those things will short circuit our relationship with God. Um, Jesus says, if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly father will not forgive you. There's yeah. something about holding grudges that shuts that thing down. Um, there's... Uh, John Bevier has this great book called The Bait of Satan, where he talks about how Jesus goes into this town to uh, to do great things, but he could only do a few miracles because they were offended by him because he was the the carpenter's kid. They didn't believe he was, was who he said he was. And it's that word offense, which is basically the word of its bait that Satan uses that we grab a hold of. And I have found that when we have offense in our life, meaning we're offended by various people, and boy, that is our culture right now. We're all offended by everybody, canceling mm -hmm. everybody left and right. That short circuits your relationship with God. Um, you know, living in perpetual sin, uh, unforgiveness, um, offense, those, those are some of the things that just shut us down and really do hinder our prayer life with God. So we walk through all those in the book. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, we're in a relationship with God. We're in a relationship with Jesus. And it's just, it's kind of the same if a husband and wife, if you're in a relationship with your wife and you're, you know, with doing, doing kind of doing these things that you you just mentioned, then it's going to affect the relationship. It's yeah, going to, it's exactly. going to damage the relationship. So you're right. We, uh, we, yeah, we need to come. <laughs> 
<laughs> we need to come clean <clears throat> and um, yeah, confess <laughs> our sins. You talk about another thing uh, to do while waiting on God. And, and I think, and this has been helpful to me in the past, but you, you say, remember, tell us what you mean by remember. You know, I, I think it really, it comes down to remembering how God has been faithful Remember that you can trust him. And I talk a lot in the last couple of chapters about the prayer life of Jesus. And Beckett, I don't think I got this until I went to Israel. But I mean, it's it's so powerful to stand in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was praying to his father for another way. Mm -hmm. Now think about that for just a second. Oftentimes, we think our prayers aren't heard by God, and by that we mean we don't get a yes from God, because we lack passion or we lack perfection. Most of us tend to think, oh, I'm not passionate enough. I need to yell more. I need to pace more. I don't pray like the guy on stage. Or we're not perfect enough. So we go to the pastor or the priest, and we ask them to pray for us. Jesus was perfect, and Jesus was so passionate, he was sweating drops of blood. and his father said no. In fact, this is what hit me when I was in Israel. You can stand on the Garden of Gethsemane and you look across the Kidron Valley, which is not that far away, and you can literally see into the city of Jerusalem. Jesus would have been asking his father for a way out while watching the soldiers assemble, light torches, and make their way over to arrest him. He was literally witnessing the no from God while asking for a yes. But why did Jesus go through with it? Why did Jesus remain on the cross when he could have stepped off? Because he remembered his father always had the best idea. He trusted God. You know, that passage where Jesus cries out to God and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He doesn't share the rest of it. He doesn't need to because all everybody there would have known the rest of that Psalm, which talks about David's resolve. And, but in the end, I will trust you. Yeah. And, I think that's the that's the thing we all have to remember in prayer. Prayer is not our microwave to get something quick from God. It's not a, the Aladdin's lamp. It is a relationship, as you said earlier. And there's a lot of things we can do to break that relationship. There's a lot of things we can do to build on that relationship. And trust is one of them. Yeah. And I find that so helpful. I mean, I, I used to do this more often. And I have a journal where I would just record answered prayer. And, yeah. and, and all I have to do is go, you know, whenever I'm in kind of a difficult period in my life or, you know, whatever, I, all I have to do is go back to this journal and look at all of the times God was faithful. God answered prayer. I mean, it, it's, in, it's incredible. So I think that's such a helpful tool to, to remember, to remember how God has been faithful in your life. That, I'm so glad you said that because this is one of the first things I tell people to do when they're getting serious about praying. Write them down yeah. because you will forget what you asked for that God answers. And you might say, well, that might've been a coincidence or it just worked out that way. Hey, let's call it God because all that's going to do is increase your trust in your faith. And when you start rolling back and seeing all the things that he said yes to, then this idea that he's not talking to you or not active in your life begins to dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, we're going to leave it there. Guys, just keep praying. 
and get this book after amen by rusty george and rusty thank you so much for being on the show i appreciate it well beckett it really is an honor i'm such a huge fan of you your story your ministry you came out to our place and blessed us immensely with our conversation which you can get at reallifechurch.org, Real Life Conversations, and listen to me and Beckett, Caleb Kaltenbach. But if, if I could just say this for your listeners, you can go to Amazon and buy the book, but you can get it cheaper if you go to pastorrustygeorge.com, and uh, we'll ship it to you, and happy to serve your audience. Thank you for what you're doing, Beckett. You're amazing. I like that. I like that. Well, great. Well, thank you for coming on, and uh, I hopefully will see you around soon. We both live in, in California, in LA. Absolutely, so. buddy. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Thank you to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find more faith-centered podcasts about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.